From this past Sunday, November 7th, we have two scripture readings. The first is from Psalm 146. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Do not put your trust in princes and mortals in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. And the gospel reading from this Sunday came from Mark chapter 12, verses 38 through 44. As Jesus taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor and banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Here ends the readings of God's holy words today. I want you to think back and try to remember, when was the last time you actually held a penny in your hand? For some, maybe yesterday. Wow, I'm impressed. This morning, that's even better. So for some, maybe it was very recently. For others, maybe it was a little bit, uh, a little while ago. Maybe you paid with cash and it ended up being in your cup holder somehow and penny stays there for years and years. Uh, but for others like me, I can't really think of the last time I held a penny in my hand. Uh, this could be selective memory at play, so it might not be accurate, but I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I was walking into a Dunkin' Donuts, I saw a penny on the ground in the parking lot on my way in, and apparently I needed some luck that day, so I just bent down and picked it up, and that was that. But uh, otherwise, I really can't remember the last time I held a penny or put one in my pockets or anything like that. Uh, pennies really aren't worth much these days, are they? Some of us might be able to remember when, uh, when a penny was enough to, to buy candy or you know, go to the movies or something like that, but not really so much today. Uh, half the time, they're not even worth the time to bend over and actually pick up the penny. I can't tell you how many pennies I've walked by that were on the ground. So our attitude toward pennies these days should just show you how little this woman actually had. She had two pennies. But since pennies really aren't used on a daily basis anymore, let me kind of convert that into dollars. And I know it's still a small amount and it might not change a whole lot of what you think about the story, but you know, we, we think of money in terms of dollars these days. So 
so these pennies, of course, were not United States pennies. Abraham Lincoln was not around yet. Uh, but to give you a slightly more accurate picture, one of her pennies was equal to 1 64th of a denarius. Denarius was one day's wage, uh, a, a, a way in which they measured money there. So one day's wage was a denarius, 1 64th of it was a penny. So she had two of them, which means she had 1 32nd. Yes, I was a math teacher. I can deal with fractions quite well. She had 1 32nd of a day's wage. So in an eight hour workday that we're accustomed to, she had the equivalent of 15 minutes worth of work. So she had somewhere in the neighborhood of about $5 or so. So $5 is all she had left. And instead of getting food with that, uh, instead of saving what she had, she gave it to the temple. Or maybe in our context, she gave it to the church. For years and years in the church, this widow has been lifted up as the highest standard of giving. We look at her and see courage and faith because obviously she must know that she'll still be taken care of by others and by God, even if she had nothing. We look at her and see a living sacrifice because as Jesus identifies, she is giving to God's house out of what she has and not out of an abundance. So if I was preaching a classic stewardship sermon today, I'd say, yeah, do that. Give out more than, than uh, give out of more than just your abundance. Uh, challenge yourself with your giving. Be like this woman and give everything you have away. Now, while there is a lot of truth in that, which we could unpack with another sermon, Here's the thing that I couldn't get past. I don't think it would really matter how well I preached that classic sermon, because no matter if I preached it great or average or anywhere in between, none of us are actually going to do that. Giving like this woman just did is an unrealistic goal that honestly none of us want to achieve we will most likely never know what it's like to give everything we have away. We're just not going to do it because let's face it, we have obligations, we have plans, we have families. Bottom line, like we have to live, we have to live. So how do we just give up on all of that? So if we're really looking at results here for our hearts to change, for us to feel more generous, for us to hear the good news of Christ, maybe putting this widow up on a pedestal in all due respect to her isn't the best way to do that. So let's look at the story in a different way and maybe good news will come from that. So more often than not, we praise the woman for her giving because we assume that Jesus is. And while he definitely could be in this moment, there's an equal chance that he's not. It's not like he walks up to her and say, your faith has made you well, like in many other instances we see in the gospels, right? Then it would be really easy to tell that Jesus was in fact praising her for doing what she's doing. But he doesn't do that. In fact, he doesn't walk up to her and he doesn't talk to her at all. It's just him and the disciples. We don't know if there's any interaction between Jesus and the widow. There probably wasn't. 
So let's keep in mind, like we pointed out last week, that Jesus is coming off of two chapters where he has some harsh critique for the temple and some of its scribes, not because they're in opposition of each other, but because Jesus, I think, genuinely wants to see the temple thrive and do good in the world. So after that Palm Sunday moment in Mark 11, he goes in, he cleanses the temple, he flips over tables, gets rid of everybody who's not there to worship. And then he gets on, or he gets into uh, uh, a line of questioning. He's on the receiving end of this line of questioning with temple authorities. And they ask him about authority and about eternal life and about the greatest commandment. So he had just finished all of that when we get to today's passage. And it starts by him continuing to critique some of the scribes in the temple. He comments on the greed of some of those scribes, how they've been using the offerings and using the treasuries uh, in, uh, in ways that they're not supposed to. He even mentions that they're devouring widows' houses, that they're asking for more money than people can give. Perhaps this own widow had her house devoured in this same way. What if this story then about the widow's offering continued in that same tone from Jesus? So what if Jesus is simply making an observation here that everyone contributes out of abundance, but she is contributing out of poverty? And then what if Jesus continued and he asked this question, so what's up with that? Why does everyone have the opportunity to contribute out of abundance and this widow has to contribute out of poverty? Why is that the case? Because throughout the laws and the prophets, God calls God's people over and over to care for orphans and immigrants, the sick and the poor and widows. So shouldn't the people of the temple have been taking care of this widow the whole time? It seems here that the widow is taking care of the temple when actually it should be the temple taking care of the widow. This situation is completely backwards. So the real question here is how in the world does the widow have nothing to give in the first place? And maybe that's what Jesus is really getting at here. That while her sacrifice is commendable, and her heart might be in the right place, this widow should not have been in this position in the first place. But no one else really seems to notice. No one else is doing anything about this. The disciples don't even notice this widow. Nobody seems to notice this widow except Jesus. He almost sits down at the treasury, almost expecting her to come. He doesn't say that, but why else would he be sitting there? Here is a reminder for us today that we follow and worship a God who truly cares about everyone, and that's manifested in the actions of Jesus here. We are here in worship because we know and we have some feeling deep down that God has seen us for who we truly are and has compassion on us. And then we hear in scripture time and time again that it's not just God, or it's not just us who God cares for. We are not the only cared for ones here. The good news is that God cares for everyone, everyone, even those who often go unseen, much like this widow. Remember Psalm 146, how we started this morning. The Lord watches over the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. 
God sees all people and loves all people. So if this passage really does compel us to focus on our giving, maybe it's less about providing an example for us to strive for and more about remembering our purpose for giving in the first place. The good news is that God looks upon everyone with love and no one is forgotten. Therefore, we give to this church community to ensure that God's care is seen by all. That's why your offering supports our Sunday school and VBS, so that our children can know that they are seen and loved by God. That's why your offering goes to supporting fellowship events and maintaining a place in order to gather and pastoral care and opportunities to use gifts and talents to do good. That's all there, and your offering goes to support that so that you can know that God cares about you. And that's why you bring food to the four Northeast Community Center and Bethlehem Emergency Shelter and, the, and Salvation Army so that everyone there knows that God cares about them too. God cares and everyone deserves to hear that good news. We want everyone to know that good news. And that is why we love and serve and give of ourselves. So thanks be to Christ for seeing this widow and understanding her when no one else would, especially in that particular moment. Because today, that moment helped us examine ourselves and remind us that all are cared for by God. You and me and everyone else deserves to see that care. And may that care be manifested in our words, our actions and offerings as individuals and as the church. Thanks be to God for these reminders and these blessings and God's promises today. Amen.
companions in Christ, remember God's promises to love and care for all God's people. And hear God's calling again to be caregivers, freely sharing God's love with all that you say and do and give. So go in peace to love and serve and give in the name of our Lord. Amen.